Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Bucks lose to the Ravens 20 to 12 in the rain, and boy, it's pouring right now in this football franchise. They clinch another losing season under Dirk Cutter and no playoffs for 11 straight years. Is it every man for himself, as DeMar Dotson said, for the final two games of the year? Jameis Winston, get this, he's lost 12 games in a row now on the road. Can he also be sent packing? We've got complete breakdown of that game and just where the Bucks sit for their final two games of the season. And the Tampa Bay Lightning, see their eight-game win streak broken with a 5-4 loss to Winnipeg in overtime. All that and more. On this Overreaction Monday edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Bursting. Hey, you know, it's almost Christmas, folks. That's right, eight days away, and you haven't started your shopping, have you, for your loved one? Well, don't worry. I got you covered. Go see my friend Andy right now at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. And right now, you can save 20% off all jewelry purchases. That's right, whether you're looking for a statement piece, maybe a diamond necklace, or some earrings, or a bracelet, or maybe you want to pop the question, you're looking for that diamond engagement ring, Andy's going to hook you up with the perfect diamond for your wife or your girlfriend. And they've got the best jewelry at the best prices. You're not in the mall. You're not paying the big overhead like you would there. And right now, for our listeners only, you get 20% off all jewelry purchases. Folks, you can't do any better than this. Give her a Merry Christmas. Give her what she wants. She wants diamonds. Go to Continental Wholesale Diamonds. It's where I shop. They're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. All right, so Steve, as we uh, do this podcast, I'm still in Baltimore, where the weather could not have been any worse for the 48 hours or so that I have been here. Man, it's just done nothing but rain and rain some more. Horrible flight coming in, one of those white knuckler jobs where you don't see the ground until you hit the ground, thankfully on the runway. Uh, and, uh, and it just, it just kept raining and it, it, pro- it I think it finally let up at the end of the game, maybe around five o'clock on Sunday, but, uh, you know, not, not good conditions to play football, although it is football. I mean, look, football is meant to be played in pretty much everything. It wasn't that cold. It was, you know, 45, 43 degrees, somewhere around in there, but certainly different for those, those receivers and, 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 and guys that handle the ball a lot. And the Tampa Bay Bucks do what they do. They lose. And uh, everything they thought going into this game might happen sort of did happen, right? I mean, you know about Lamar Jackson. You know that he's been given the starting job for the Ravens. And you know that in the four games that he's been the starter prior to Sunday, they had rushed for over 900 yards as a football team. And that's like one of the biggest four-game you know, totals in the history of the NFL. And so – Lamar Jackson was going to be a beast on the ground, as was, you know, Gus Edwards and some of their other uh, running backs, Kenneth Dixon. Well, they ran the ball and they ran it a lot. 49 rushing attempts for 242 yards. I think that's like the most yards the Bucks have given up on the ground in like seven, eight years, something like that. And what that enabled the Ravens to do was maintain just an enormous uh, time of possession advantage against the Bucks. The Bucks didn't have the ball very much at all, particularly in the second half. They only had four, count them, four possessions the entire second half. And it's hard to score when you don't have it. So consequently, they did not score. Um, they lose 20-12. to 12, And uh, it's funny because before the game, Dirk Cutter told his team, if we score 21, I think that'll be enough. Turns out he was right had they scored 21, but they weren't able to do it. Um, kind of a back and forth, you know, first half neither team played very well and here's the thing the bucks got some breaks i mean they had huge breaks to be honest with you lamar jackson lost a fumble um they had a muff punt in the third quarter i mean all those things but the bucks didn't really take sort of full advantage uh, they got one touchdown out of that and then a the field goal and you know they were kicking field goals the ravens for the most part were scoring touchdowns and Really, that was the difference. But then they still, even after all of this, kind of slopping their way through it, they're down by just one score uh, with about seven minutes or so to go. 
and they're got they've got a third and one um, inside the Ravens' territory, probably around the 35-40 yard line. And you're thinking, okay, well, you know, Peyton Barber, who's had a pretty good day, is probably going to get the carry here. It's just one yard. I mean, Barber, you know, wound up rushing for, I think it was 85 yards on 19 carries. Pretty good day, average four and a half yards. Well, they have a mental error, actually two mental errors uh, blocking, and they wind up uh, getting a, you know, a hit in the backfield. A guy came absolutely scot-free, drops him for a three-yard loss. Now it's fourth and three. And Jameis Winston has man coverage on his left with Adam Humphreys and Mike uh, Evans. And then um, on his right is Chris Godwin. He chooses to go to the right, sort of in the coverage. Squeeze one in there. It's incomplete. And the Bucks never saw the ball again. The Ravens were able to take that ball and run out the final seven or so minutes of the clock. And that's your ball game. So the Bucks lose, uh, you know, second loss in a row. And it is getting... Pretty late early, as they say, for Dirk Cutter. Um, this is going to be a tough sell if you're the Glazers to decide whether to bring him back. Of course, they still have games at Dallas and then home against Atlanta. you got to let that play out. Um, but if you look at this offense and what they've done the last two weeks and, and really the second half of the season, um, you know, they're not the same group. I mean, they've, you know, scored 14 points in the first half against the Saints and got shut out the second half. And then on Sunday – you know, they give they get only a field goal in the second half against the Ravens. And those are two really good defenses. The Ravens may be elite on defense uh, and they just physically, you know, got after them and, and won the game. So I don't know where we go from here, but it's getting pretty dark. If you're dirt cutter right now, Steve, I, I I'm trying to make a case, you know, if I was his agent, like, what would I say? What would I, what would I say if I was Dirk? And right now, because the offense is getting is getting worse and Jameis Winston is not playing all that well, although he defended him on on Sunday, uh, I think we're you're running out of arguments. Well, I think that, you know, as you've mentioned, that for the last 11 years, the Bucks sell hope. That's right. What hope are you giving your fans if Dirk Cutter comes back? Well, it's hard. And, and it's not, not to say he couldn't be successful if he comes back another year. But right. when you're trying to sell that to your fan base, to your season ticket holders, to your suite holders, to your sponsors, yeah, is there hope among the fan base of Dirk? Especially because, as great as the offense has been, they haven't performed as well as late. No, it's going to it's trending the wrong way, and you're kind of seeing that around the league. I mean, some of these high high potent offenses mm-hmm. like the Rams, they've been clipped the last few weeks. Um, you know, they're they're not scoring very many points, and and we've seen that. You know, the Chicago Bears, you know, the, some of the better defenses taking apart some teams. Um, so, you know, as, as the weather changes and, and uh, guys get nicked up and um, usually usually those good running teams start to start to uh, thrive a little bit more. Um, but there's there's really not much hope if when all the talent you do have on the football team is mostly on the offensive side and those guys can't perform. I mean, now you're in real trouble. And. You know, they, they're kind of patching it together on defense. Look, let, let me just say this about the defense. They didn't give up that many points. I mean, they gave up 20, and that's not a ton of points. Now, it was a bad day to play offense. I get that. And they got some breaks with a fumble. But they had some guys with just tremendous efforts. I mean, Levante David, if you don't think this guy is a professional and one of the best in the league, I mean, he came out, he had two sacks, recovered a fumble, had about 12 tackles, was the only linebacker who stayed on the field every down. Um, because they were short of linebackers. Darius Taylor didn't make it to the game. Um, you know, his wife uh, expecting their first child. He stayed back in Tampa. They, they had plans for him to come up, um, you know, car services and chartered planes and things like that. He didn't make it. So um, I'm not I, I don't believe anything bad has happened with respect to that. But I just think that he was unable to. And so they were shorthanded. They played Riley Bulla, who had a lot of tackles. But, you know, Riley Bulla isn't He's probably about your fourth linebacker um, as far as that goes. And so they had to mix and match. And yet they kind of they kind of held their own. You know, I mean, Baltimore was way too good on third down, um, you know, and, and that was a problem for the Bucs because they couldn't get off the field. But it's it's all about points. And as far as points goes, 20 points, if you hold a team to 20 points in the NFL, you probably should win that game. The Bucs simply on their side of the ball could not hold up. They did not. Uh, execute on third down, um, and they dropped a lot of balls, especially early on, and because the, the conditions were were part of the story. But well, the man, conditions, I'm, and I think that the time of possession too. It's hard to get in a rhythm. It's hard to get in a flow. Yeah, when you're on yeah. the bench that much. 
That's and, so and, true. And that's part of the Ravens' game plan. I mean, they have an mm-hmm. elite defense, and mm-hmm. if we can hold the ball and, and keep you off the field, and keep our elite defense off the field even more, then then we're going to win. Because when our elite defense is on the field, we're not tired. It's amazing how Lamar Jackson has transformed this football team. You know, because, I mean, Winston might have been the third best quarterback even in the building, if not fourth, because you had Joe Flacco, a Super Bowl MVP, who is healthy, standing on the sidelines. But Jackson has brought an element of trickery, if you will, um, a Michael Vick-like runner uh, who can absolutely, you know, scare you and you have to play 11 on 11. I mean, typically when you play defense, the quarterback is not somebody you account for running the ball. So you really got a one man advantage in this offense. You don't have that anymore. And he's a good enough thrower. I mean, people talk about, you know, well, maybe he's not going to, you know, be a passer. He can't pass from the pocket. He made some pretty good throws. I mean, he's able to, to, to gut you that way when he needs to. Um, and, and I thought he ran smart. Like he got out of bounds. He got his first downs. He got down. I don't know that this is sustainable, but you know what? John Harbaugh doesn't care because right now they're like a game or a half game out of uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers in that division and looking at a, at a possible playoff spot. Um, so this was a hungry team. This was a team that needed to win. And like I said, the Bucks. it was a one-score one game with seven minutes or so to go in the fourth quarter, and then that was all she wrote. You know, when they had those two plays that didn't go their way, then then they were done. And – you know, it's really tough right now uh, at any for any team that's at this point in the season to know without question. Now, there was some scenarios going into Sunday's game where if everything fell just right, they may not be eliminated with a win. They may still be alive. Well, now they're dead, and now it's over. So that's 11 years without the playoffs. And, you know, like you said, how do you sell this? What are you selling? What, you know, what do you think of, of Dirk Cutter? What do you think of his offense? Do you want Jason Light to hire the next head coach? Um, are you saving Jameis Winston? And if you are, don't you want to pair him or try to pair him with another head coach to see if he can do maybe what Sean McVay did for Jared Goff? I mean, these have to be the things that the Glazers are thinking about right now. If I'm the Bucks, uh, you know, and I, I'm not the Glazers and I don't know anything, but I think you hit the, the, the big question on the head. Is I, you know, I think Dirk's probably going to be gone at the end of the season. I mean, him, he himself last season said it was courageous to bring him back, and at best yeah. they're going to be 7-9 and nine this season. Right. I think the bigger question is, do you want Jason Light picking your next head coach? Forget what he's done personnel-wise, and if you think he's done a good job, fine. Do you want him picking your next head coach? And I think that's the biggest question the Glazers are either going to have to answer or have already decided. Yeah, that coupled with how do you evaluate him because he's been here five years, and, mm-hmm. and for all the – self-proclaimed talent that they have on, especially on offense. Eh, I, I'm not, I'm just not sold on how good it is. I think you have some really good receivers. I know you have some really good tight ends. So I know you got some skilled players offensive line wise, maybe Jensen's an upgrade. I mean, I don't think he should be the highest paid center in football, but he is, um, you know, Ali Marpet, I think is, is going to be a solid player that you did well to resign. I'm kind of done. I mean, I know Donovan Smith is going to end up back here next year, I think, either way, because if he hit the free agent market, he absolutely would command the most money of any offensive lineman. He would get somewhere around $12 million a year. Well, the franchise tag is 13 So if you're the Bucks, you can't go into free agency and find anybody better you know, than Donovan Smith because he's the number one free agent. So you might as well pay the extra million and franchise him until, until or unless – you can find a better player. And you don't know what's going to happen with Dotson. Ben and Ox a free agent. So there's going to be some rebuilding done on this offensive line. But, you know, aside from that, that was supposed to be the strength of the team. And I'm here to tell you, they're going, they're trending down. They're trending the wrong way. Um, and, you know, so now everybody's future is in jeopardy. And you got to go to Dallas, who, by the way, got shut out against the Indianapolis Colts, which is not going to help you if you're the Bucks because, the Cowboys desperately want to win, and they want to score points. Um, Especially so, with the yeah. Eagles beating the Rams now, the Eagles are going to be a game behind the Cowboys. Right. This thing is far from over, and it's going to be a wild and woolly two weeks, and so they need to put it on you. you know. And, and I know a lot of guys like performing under, on the big stage, and, and that certainly is what AT&T Stadium is and what the Cowboys are when you see the stars on their helmets, man. You know what I mean? 
and you got the cowboy cheerleaders and all of that. But look, as Demar Dotson talked about, you know, and others, we're going to find out what this team is about and what these players are about these last two weeks because I don't care what you say. Human nature is human nature. When you remove that carrot of the postseason, even though these guys are pros, some players, and not all, but some players might decide to make some business decisions. And this would be the game that that would show up in because you have a desperate Dallas Cowboys team trying to stay ahead of Philadelphia who just got shut out. And they're coming in here thinking, and they have a pretty good defense for the most part, and they're thinking they're going to put it on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So um, not the way the Bucs had hoped the season would go, to say the very, very least. Not the way Jameis Winston thought it would go. And I'll be honest with you, I wrote a column about this in the Tampa Bay Times. You know, Dirk Cutter is going to get what he's going to get. You know, I mean, it's, it, it is a bottom line thing with head coaches. That's why you get they keep your record, right? I mean, you are what, what your record says you are. Um, but for the first time, I, you know, I've said consistently, and, and I still kind of believe this, but I said consistently, Jameis is back. It doesn't matter. Like play well, don't play well. These last few, they're going to, they're going to keep him a fifth year. They're rolling the well, dice now. Who else are you going to turn to? Well, but you know, everybody says that like that is those. And I understand the, I understand the sentiment, believe me, but there's always somebody. Okay. Like, and I'm not advocating this per se, um, but when you watch Nick Foles come into a game with the Eagles, who have not been playing great, by the way, under mm-hmm. Carson Wentz, and they needed to desperately win on the road in Los Angeles, and he carves up the Los Angeles Rams, and not unlike what he did in the playoffs last year or the Super Bowl when he won the MVP, that guy's a free agent. Now, he's an older guy. He may cost you $50 mm-hmm. million for three years. I don't know. My point is there's always somebody else. It's just whether – you're convinced that that person is better than what you currently have. And that's the thing that the, that the Glazers or their next coach or the next GM, if there is one, has to answer um, is just, you know, what are we what are we getting rid of Jameis for? Who is the better option? I think it's um, going to be I think you're going to keep Jameis and draft a quarterback. That's possible. Absolutely. That's, that's what possible. I think will happen. And so you're paying Jameis the twenty point nine million, but your quarterback's going to be on a rookie payment scale. Could be. Absolutely could be, because you also got Ryan Griffin, who's a free agent. And, and if Winston starts great, if your rookie beats him out, fine. Sure, sure. I mean, I, I think that's what's going to happen. I, th- I, I, I mean, yes, Nick Foles will be a free agent this year, and, and you know, every year there's a free agent or two, but most of the time those free agent quarterbacks are free agent quarterbacks for a reason. Right. I mean, well, m- most, free, most free agents, to be honest. The, the best yeah, players get locked the, up. I mean, you, yeah, when you get yeah. a free agent, you're over, generally you overpay for a free agent. Right. Because if they were for them and there's exceptions to everything, but if they're really good, the team locks them up. Sure. And so when it comes to free agency, though, now you're in a bidding war. And so you overpay, whether it's Ryan Jensen, who is a good center, but probably not deserving to be the highest paid center in football. But he made it to right. free agency. And so then you get in a bidding wars. Right. And that's what happens in free agency. The best players and, generally get locked up. I mean, there are exceptions, but. And that's why a guy like Donovan Smith will probably get paid by the Bucks because he would he would then be the best player out there at left tackle, which is a coveted position. Um, but they've got work to do, and you know I don't know how they evaluate Jason. I mean I, you know I again I look at the NFC South where you place, which they're back in the cellar again, um, likely to stay there. They play Atlanta in the final game, so they have to win at least one of these two games. But um, you you kind of look at, at the whole you know, the whole picture and you go, man, five years, no postseason. How much more talented is this team than what we had when Lovey Smith was here? Um, well, or Dirk Cutter's first year when guys like Cecil Shorts and Freddie Martino was leading the way. And, and that's, and, well, that's some of the shame of it this year is, you know, we all went in saying the NFC South may be the toughest division in football. turns out it's not. With the exception <laughs> of the Saints, it isn't. And that, yeah. you know, I mean, maybe you weren't going to beat the Saints this year, but you had a you had a shot to take second in the division and be in the playoff hunt. Absolutely. I mean, we didn't know that going in. We all thought, you know, this division was tougher than it was this season. Sure. And you had that up until this game. I mean, really, they weren't eliminated until after this game. And, you know, if you had won one more game going into this game, you'd be a half game out of the wild card as it was. Now, some things happened on Sunday that were unpredictable and some that were not beneficial to the Bucs. Um, uh, you know, like like the Vikings, you know, beating the, the Dolphins. And so that helps them there uh, with, with the wild card situation. The Bears 
go ahead and win that division. And so, you know, you're starting to see now some teams qualify and it's going to be harder and harder to make the final wildcard spot. So it didn't really fall well for them, even had they won. But now it's over. Now it's like, okay, two weeks to see what? Two weeks to see what Winston can do against these better defenses. And so far, he has not really passed the test. I mean, New Orleans has a good defense. Baltimore may be elite, but in both cases, he didn't put up enough points. And I'm not putting it all on Jameis because, frankly, he made the throws. Dirk Cutter defended him about what he did in the first half. And the one play he made, the 64-yard pass to Mike Evans, was just a thing of beauty, him staying alive and then rolling to his left and just throwing a dime out there. Um, and so that that was huge. But, you know, again, it's about the wins. I mean, where are the wins with this guy? And, and people are like, yeah, Rick, but you can't judge a quarterback by the one loss record. Well, then why do they keep it? And it's not like baseball. It's not like, hey, you know, you were the pitcher for five innings and then they – this is, you know – if I know this about football and, you know, there are guys that win and can't play and aren't playing anymore, like Mark Sanchez, who won a lot with the Jets and got to the championship game and a couple of playoffs and whatnot. Um, but there aren't many quarterbacks that lose all the time and keep playing. You know what I mean? And when you lose 12 in a row dating back, his last road victory was 2016 at San Diego. Mm-hmm. San Diego doesn't even have a football team for two, the last two years. Their football team's in Los Angeles now. Nobody even plays there anymore, right? That's the last time Jameis Winston won a football game on the road. Ouch. Isn't that stunning to you? Ouch. Yeah, it's stunning. And what has he won all of five games in two years? Five games? Something like that? I mean, it's it's just not good. And, again, you can't put it all on number three. You can't mm-hmm. put it all on no. the quarterback. It's it's a team game. It's totally unfair. He had guys dropping balls right and left, um, you know, all kinds of mistakes, mental mistakes, blocking, different things. But yet, they're still going to make the changes is going to be made to the quarterback and the head coach first. Um, and, and I don't know, you know, like I said, for the first time, I, don't, I think these two weeks are probably more critical than they were going to be. Um, but when you have these these games where you don't put up any points against better defenses, you wonder now, you know, how much will a new coach or a new offense change him. If that's the way you decide to go, I, I don't really know. But this was this was depressing if you're a Bucks fan, if you're in the Bucks organization. I saw a lot of long faces, and there's a finality to things. You know, everybody, even if it's 1%, if you give somebody the carrot and you say there's still a chance, right? Um, you know, the old Jim Carrey, you know, so you're saying there's a chance. Well, now she's saying no. No, in fact, there is no chance. Um you know, and so now you've still got to be a professional. You've still got to come to work. Um, you know, guys, some will be free agents. They don't want to get hurt. Uh, other guys that have been hurt may or may not want to play again, like Deshaun Jackson. Um, so, you know, as DeMar Dotson, and I think what he was saying was, is that, look, you know, in the business of professional football, if, if you spend a minute worrying about somebody else like Dirk Cutter, which he was asked about, or anyone else, you're the one that's going to lose your job. You know, you don't have the luxury of taking care of anything except your, your job and your position. So um, that's, that's what's going on. That's what these last few weeks, because if I'm a head coach, if, if somebody does get hired here and Dirk is let go, the first thing I do as a head coach is put on the tape of the season. And you know what I want to see? I don't want to see the wins. I don't want to see the first game or the 15th or the 15th game. Show me the last game. Show me the next to last game. I want to see who wasn't playing hard. And if that guy shows up on tape, I don't want him on my football team. So you're always being evaluated. And yet there will be some guys that will give less of an effort than than they would if, if they were still in contention, which is weird, but it's true. Um, well, it's, a so, mental, it's a mental thing. I mean, yeah. even if it's not conscious, even if you're not consciously doing it, you know, you said all the long faces of, you know, hey, if there was, if there was that 0.1% chance they'd be clinging to it. You know, mentally it's a lot easier to get up for that game than one that in the grand scheme of things doesn't mean anything to your organization, to, you know, to the organization overall. It may mean to you personally in contracts and, and everything yeah. else. And here's what it also make compounds that is that your coach is now pretty much wobbly. You know what I mean? Like if this was Dirk's first or second year, um, but certainly like if it was a new regime and, and you're being evaluated all the time, you know, it, it's it's not a crime to go six and ten in your first season of a rebuild situation, depending on what you inherited. 
Um, but at least the players know, hey, I can't tank this. Like this guy yeah, that's I'm, over I'm there playing the for this guy next year. Yeah, he's evaluating me, and I got I to gotta play my butt off, or he won't even, I won't have a job here next year. So, because he's going nowhere. But now that you have a new head coach, or, or I'm sorry, not a new head coach, but a, a head coach that might be on his way out, and the next guy, you don't know who he is or what he's going to say. Um, now you might be in self preservation mode where it's like, look, I, it's too late for this dude. I'm not going to lay it on the line for him, but I have to be healthy enough to try to make an impression on the next guy, whoever that is. Um, so you do, you worry about, you worry about effort level and things like that. We're going to find out. I mean, when I say there was long faces, I mean, that's to be expected. Nobody was, you know, talking about quitting or playing golf or anything like that. I mean, they all said the right things, but it's, it's, it's really, really hard. Uh, it's been a hard season. It's been, man, it's been one just full of up and ups and downs and mostly downs. And you look at where they're at with the other teams in the league. This team might be drafting. What did we figure out, Steve? They may be drafting as high as sixth. Yeah, there's five teams with worse records than them, and then they're tied. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. With four other teams at five and nine. So I, and there's I, I haven't seen how the point, draft order would break point. out, but yeah. I mean that's that's high. That is not where you want to draft. If you draft there every year, which the Bucks have made a living doing of late, then that means you're just not winning. And I can't explain it. These other franchises win. I mean, I think I saw, and I don't know the exact stat, but like Denver might have back-to-back losing seasons for the first time in forty-something years. Forty-something years. Actually, I just the, looked it up. The Bucks would be drafting ninth right now, based on tiebreakers. Ninth overall. They're yeah. a top ten pick again, right? Which might just be out of the consensus, you know, can't miss players. Because usually there's, depending on the draft, four to five to six can't miss type guys. That would signal to me that they're probably just out of that. Um, But it's still two games to go. You don't know what those other teams ahead of them are going to do in the next two weeks. If they win, maybe the Bucs end up with a better pick. But isn't it depressing that every year at this time, Bucs fans have to talk about where they may draft and if they can get high enough to get this guy or that guy? Well, you're going to have the um, yeah. fans coming out saying lose the last two to get a higher draft. Sure, pick. absolutely. And you know what? They may do that all on their own without any encouragement at all um, because I think the Cowboys are better, and I, I guess we have to wait and see what Atlanta wants to offer in the last week of the season. Yeah, that, but, I mean, that, that one you don't know because neither team's playing for playoffs. So. Right, and they could shut Matt Ryan down or, you know, you know like I said, I think there's going to be a lot of changes in, in coaching ranks. We started going through the list. And conservatively, I think, you know, you know, if you say guys like Ron Rivera is in trouble, you know, I went through the list and you could come up with eight or nine possible head coaching. I'd say Dan Quinn is. I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Sean McDermott may be on the hot seat. In Buffalo. Yep. I mean, Marvin Lewis, I think, is all but gone in Cincinnati. I think, you know, the Browns have to decide if they're going to hire their current guy or, or go outside and do something. You don't know about. Adam Gase in Miami necessarily, although he looks a little better, but you don't know if they're going to keep him. Um, you know, you go, I think Arizona's Wilkes is okay, I think, out there, but Denver certainly could be looking for a new head football coach. Um, there, you know, there, there's just a lot, man. There's there's a lot of spots. Could the Redskins uh, make a change with the, Jay Gruden? The Redskins could, although Josh Johnson unbelievably won a game for them, yeah. which is just crazy. You know, Green Green Bay, we know Mike McCarthy is out there. So you're looking at a new head coach in Green Bay. Jacksonville could be looking for a new coach. Absolutely, Jacksonville could be looking for a new head coach. And there's always a surprise someplace. There's always that guy like Gruden was in 08 that you didn't see coming and shaking out of the trees. Um, so it's going to be a busy yeah. year if, if that's the way the Bucks well, Todd, go. Todd Bowles in New York's most likely out. Absolutely, he's gone. Yeah, there's no question he'll be gone. Um so, you know, I counted eight, nine conservatively, maybe 10 if you get an upset or two. Um, but, yeah, if you're Dirk Cutter right now, and, it, and you know, this is I'm not calling for a guy's job. I, I actually think Dirk's a really good coach, and I think he, he tells his team exactly what they have to do to win and prepares them to win. 
for whatever reason, it's never one thing. They just haven't won. And, you know, it's a bottom line business and you, you just got to assume that the Glazers won't be satisfied with whatever finish they're going to have now. And, um, we'll see, you know, if Jason Light gets that opportunity to hire another head coach or not. I mean, that's, like I said, there's a whole different evaluation about him and, and, you know, and if neither one is around, who then do the Bucks go to? Who do they consult? There was a report by Jason Lucanfora of CBS Sports that said uh, sources, league sources have told him that that the Bucks are making contingency plans for the likely firing of Dirk Cutter, um, kicking the tires, trying to consult with people and see what's what. Now, I suppose that's possible. It's not really their style. Um, there wow. was an owner's meeting in Dallas, you know, the last few days last week. So you could always saddle up to Jerry Jones or um, Arthur Blank or any number of people. Uh, although you got to be wary that, you know, they're not going to tell you their secrets because they may be looking for a guy to, you know, to sack their coach as well. But, but couldn't that um, report be, hey, we called to see if Nick Saban's available? It could. I mean, it could. It absolutely. You know, could. you're kicking the tires or contingent. It could be, you know, you called to see if Jim Harbaugh or Urban Meyer is available. Yeah. And you always have those discussions through intermediaries. So, I mean, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that the Glazers aren't the ones picking up the phone. I know a few people sure. that would do it for them. Um, so all of that is possible. I mean, look, they talked. I mean, the, the dad, you know, Malcolm, may rest in peace. You know, he he did a contract with Bill Parcells, you know was two weeks before Tony even coached his last game, had it signed, sealed, and delivered. So, you know, it's rare for them to do it. I mean, the last few hires they've done, they've kind of been more in scramble mode. You know, they had Chip Kelly on the radar, and then he turned them down at the last minute. They ended up with Graciano. Um, you know, there's there's been some of that, but I I don't know. I mean, it's – I mean, I just I, – I felt – it felt today like all the world – with no chance of the playoffs, with the record that he's had, um, you know, that, that Dirk probably won't survive this. Now, maybe a new coach comes in and keeps Munkin. Maybe not. That was the other part of the report by Lockenfora was that both Dirk Cutter and Todd Munkin would be so highly pursued um, as offensive coordinators that they wouldn't be out of work very long. So um, I suppose that's possible, but I, I, I can tell you that neither one is really focused on that right now if that's what they even choose to do. Um, it's a mess. I mean, this season, I'm telling you, such high expectations and a belief, too, that they had learned their lesson from hard knocks when they got above their skis. Uh, and, you know, they prepared Fitzpatrick to play, came out, couldn't have done better. You know, when you're sitting here with five wins after going 2-0 and in the first two weeks, that's a tough, that's a tough thing to do. Well, it was know? a crazy season because of the expectations, but yet you didn't expect the first three games to go very well. No, you didn't. And, and they went spectacularly well. Yeah, it's just crazy that you end up here and nothing went according to predictions. Nope. Nothing. Nope. <laughs> sure didn't. And you got a 24, 25-year-old quarterback now that needs saving. And so... I mean, you may, hey, end, you may end up hitting the number that Vegas had for wins at the beginning of the season. I think it was six six or seven, somewhere in that range. So you may, Isn't that crazy? You may be right Everybody's there, but, like, but no one expected mean? it to get there the way it did. I know. But you know what? Those wise guys are pretty good, man. They keep building those big, fancy hotels out there. So They do. Every time I go out there, they get bigger. They must be winning. I don't think anybody else is winning. So they, they, they definitely know something. But... Uh, Man, this football team. I feel for the fans because, you know, 11 years of this, and, and and they're the ones that hold out faint hope as well. Now you don't know the status of your quarterback. You don't know the status of your head coach. Um, there's going to be a lot of changes, and, and you, you know, there's going to be a lot of guys that have coached in this league for a long time and had success in taking teams to the Super Bowl that will be available. Um, again, I checked out the lock-in for a report, and I was told it was total BS. Now, how – you know, my sources would know this. They should be in a position to know. Um, the fact of the matter is, you could say any team that's sitting here with a five and eight record, you can predict uh, that the owners are, are, you know, trying to come up with contingency plans because they may have to fire their head coach. I mean, that's true all the time. Steve, you worked at a radio it, station. Look, look, contingency plans like that. First of all, every boss has a contingency plan for every employee you ever have. You have to. If you don't, if, good if you don't, you're not doing your job. That's right. I mean, at the end of the day, what if you have a player or a radio host or whatever, and that person, God forbid, gets sick 
mm-hmm. or can't work anymore. I mean, you you know you have to have a business plan. Yeah. You have to know where you're going. You if have, a, yeah, you have contingency plans or at least temporary plans or thoughts of here's how I would lists, handle this, this, this. Yeah, who you would call you know, that sort of. Yeah, thing. you never because you never know who may pop up. So you don't necessarily. Not everything's permanent, set in stone, but you have there contingency you plans. But the other there thing is. Look, okay, so the league sources told Lock and Fora that the Bucks have made continu- or making contingency plans. It could have been an owner comes up and says, Hey, if you're looking for a coach, I would sure. recommend this guy. I think he's really good. And the Glazers sure. may have said something like, Okay, you know, send me some info on him or I'll hey, I'll definitely take a look or listen, you know. Right. Or look at him. You know, it's somebody maybe was on our radar, not on our radar, but you know, we'll take a look. And that could be they're making contingency plans. They're looking at this guy. It could be. I mean, and, I, mean I don't know what always... happened. I don't know. But, I mean, you know, contingency yeah. plans, first of all, that's the job of every boss, owner, et cetera, for everything. <laughs> right. I mean, that's your job. Hey, I, I have no contingency plans as an owner. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine that? Well, that's always, you know, look, I, you know, in my career, I, I transferred a lot in the same company, so I would go to different markets. And the hardest thing is when you walk in day one is you have no contingency plans. That's right. If, if this producer, if this host, if this person got sick and couldn't come in tomorrow – I don't know what I'm doing yet. I mean, you know, that's one of the first things you do in a job is, you know, look, football coaches, when they're scouting players, it's like, okay, you know, okay, you're, here's, your, here's our starting linebacker. Here's our backup linebacker. But this safety could also move up and play linebacker if too many players get hurt Absolutely. in the game. And, this, and there's contingency plans all over the place. That's, what, that's, that's right. your job as a boss. That's right. Saying that, there's, that the Bucks are making contingency plans, I, my guess is they've had contingency plans for years. And they're always changing and evolving and – yeah, and I don't want to shoot. I don't want to shoot down his reporting. I mean, it just. But I, I think when you say, you know, that that a, a coach is likely to get fired that's sitting here with five wins, who's going to disagree with you? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. Are you sure Dirk Cutter would disagree with you with his based on his record alone? Well, there's really no way to refute that report. So, well, I attempted to. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, you're going to ask. People I mean, the people, and, and, the people yeah. you would think would be involved in a, in a conversation like that that's that's present in the organization seem to know i mean i know how the glazers work and, and like i said the only uh the only time they actively engaged in conversations with anyone before they you know had canned the coach was when bill parcells had negotiated a contract with him two weeks before tony dungy coached his last game and i wrote that story and i wrote about it and the reason i found out about it was that parcells was talking to current players on the team and and some of the coaches who were he was going to retain anyway so you know, there's just a bunch of people who couldn't keep a secret. But, um, you know, whether they've done that before or since with, with the boys, not to my knowledge. I mean, I suppose, you know, conversations happen all the time and you go through intermediaries. I mean, with any team, I don't care who it is, name the, name the team, like the ones that currently are looking for coaches now, um, whether it's possibly, you know, the Browns or, um, you know, Green Bay Packers or whatever, um, you can bet that, that they've, you know, put out feelers to see, Hey, is Nick Saban interested? Hey, is Jim Harbaugh interested? I mean, Harbaugh came out with a statement and said, I'm not going back to the NFL. Well, why would you have to do that if people weren't calling you? Um, you know, so, you know, those conversations sort of happen all the time and you do have lists and you do know, uh, sort of the landscape of things, or at least you can talk to people about that. But uh, I think, you know, I think you might. The, I think Jason Light might have to have a conversation with the Glazers before they would trust him to hire a new head coach. I think, you know, again, they gather all the information, which will be okay. It seems improbable, but there's two games left. What if they hammer Dallas and Atlanta? You know, does that change things to win? You know, four out of seven going down the stretch. I mean, there's there's any number of ways to slice this, but. I just know the feeling. I know I know what these seasons feel like. I know what they I know what the dread. And I mean it's it's sad. It's the dread that comes over a coaching staff, that comes over the families of coaching staffs that might be looking at another move again. I, I know how this feels and the way it feels right now is not good for that coaching staff. It just isn't. I mean you know, and and you wonder, you know, Dirk Cutter said said on Sunday night, um, look, I'm not going to say it's not talent. We have enough talent. Everybody in the league has talent, you know, so he's not burying his general manager saying, well, you know, I need more. I need more players. But clearly they don't have all the players playing well uh, or enough of them to, to avoid not just finishing 
second or third, but last again in the division, which is sort of where they're at right now. Um, so it's, it was a, it was a sobering day. It was a, it was a nasty day. It was a gloomy day. Um, the Ravens have hope. They have an exciting young quarterback. No one knows if it's sustainable, but for right now, that position, that player has sparked them to four wins out of the last five games. Um, and that's, that's what you need from your quarterback, whether, you know, whether it's a rookie or whoever's back there, he has to be the guy to ignite you. And Jameis Winston the last few weeks has just struggled again against the better defenses. You know, it's one thing to, to beat up on, you know, on some poor teams, but it's like San Francisco, but it's another thing uh, to go up against teams that can play defense. And, you know, certainly these guys can. So we'll see what the Bucks go from here. Uh, where they're going to go is Dallas, but we'll see if there's going to be any changes made and when they'll come, um, you know, keep it on TampaBay.com. I mean, I'm in constant conversation. I think there's going to be, in my mind, we've kind of gone through it. I think there's going to be like seven, eight, maybe even as many as nine head coaching jobs in the NFL that become available. And it's crazy, right? Because a, a lot of these coaches like McCarthy, perhaps Ron Rivera, perhaps Dan Quinn, they've been to Super Bowls, you know? They've been to Super Bowls, and some of them have won. So you're going to have quite a list of, uh, you know, of potential head coaching candidates out there. And, you know, then it becomes a game of musical chairs. Obviously, you know, those teams that have already fired their coaches can start talking to anybody right now. So they have a jump on the field. Um, but... I don't know. Disappointing day for the Bucks all around. And like I said, we'll, we'll be back at it on Monday uh, or just today, later this afternoon. As a matter of fact, I'll be talking to, to Dirk Cutter and kind of doing the postmortem on that and talking about what is left for the Bucks. And, and maybe they'll, you know, try to play some players. I don't know the guys that don't get a lot of playing time. Maybe not. Maybe they'll just play it straight and try to win those games. Cause those games are important for the Cowboys, important for the Eagles. Um, you know, and important for teams that are still fighting for a playoff spot. So you don't go in there and totally just say, you know, we're going to treat it like you do in baseball with spring training. Um, but I don't know what the motivation will be. And maybe DeMar Dotson's right. Maybe we'll find out if it's every man for himself. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, they got a point, but their win streak was snapped at eight games. They went to Winnipeg, which leads the Western Conference. I mean, that surprised me that Winnipeg is that good this year. Well, Winnipeg and Calgary are tied atop the winning the Western Conference. And of course, the Lightning are going to play in Calgary on Thursday night, so just a few mm. nights from now. Uh, but no, Winnipeg, I mean, Winnipeg last year, if you remember, was the second best team in the Western Conference. They, they, they actually finished with more points than the Lightning last year. Both wow, Nashville and Winnipeg cool. did last year. Of course, Winnipeg last year went to the Western Conference Finals and lost to Vegas in five games. The Lightning you know, lost in seven to the Capitals in the Conference Finals. So Winnipeg, you know, one of the deepest teams, and, and they're a big team too. That's always, those are always the ones that you know, people think the Lightning have a lot of trouble playing, and, and, and they do to a point. If the, if the bigger team is executing and, and, yeah. and, and, and playing their game and playing it well, then, yeah, it can be difficult for the Lightning. But this was an entertaining game tonight in Winnipeg. Ended up 5-4 in overtime loss. Um, Stamkos, a, a snipe uh, from just outside the, the hashes. Uh, to, goal. Kucherov had a power play goal that was – I don't know how he snuck it in there with Braden Point screening Connor Hellebuck. Uh, but an entertaining game. Both teams played well in spurts. Uh, didn't play so well in other spurts as, as when you get two teams as talented as these two playing each other. Uh, Vasilevsky, again, I think was pretty good. Uh, obviously gave up a few more goals this game than the other night, but – at the end of the day, you'd won eight in a row coming in. You get a point against the top team in the Western Conference on the road. You've got points in your last nine games and 12 of your last 13 games. You're doing fine. Mm. It's funny. They've created such expectation that you're almost – you're stunned. They had won eight in a row. You're stunned that they, that they wouldn't – even though they got a point, you're stunned that they, didn't win, they don't win every game. I mean, this is, what, this is what it's come to is that you just expect – and that's a heck of a thing. That's what a culture is. That's what – changing the culture mm -hmm. means is that when these guys go out on the ice, they and everyone else expects them to win because they know they're better. They know they're better than everybody else. And then they go out there and then they execute and they prove it. And, um, so, you know, this, this will be a tougher road trip for them, but we'll see how, how they progress, uh, moving forward. And, and I would be excited if I was a fan of this hockey team. I mean, having your number one goaltender back is huge. And Anton Strawman was back tonight. And Strollman so was back. Eric Chernak uh, was sat down tonight. 
Although okay. John Cooper said Chernak will play on this road trip, and it's a four-game road trip uh, to Western Canada. Matthew Joseph was placed on injured reserve. That's what made the roster space. The difficult thing is once Joseph comes back healthy, and he could come back either Tuesday or Thursday. I'm not sure which one. They have to send someone down to the minors or cut somebody. Mm. There's only two players on this team that can go down to the minors without clearing waivers. Chernak and Matthew Joseph. Oh, wow. So at that point, one of those two are going back to the minors, assuming someone else doesn't get hurt in the interim. Or you're going to cut someone like Slater Cuckoo or Danik Bartel. Wow. So that's, you know, that's where it gets tricky of what are you going to do? I don't think Chernak should go down, but I think he's going to end up getting sent down. Hmm. I think on this road trip, assuming no one else gets hurt, they, they, they'll play Chernak a game or two. They may you know, rest Girardi for a game, uh, rest Coburn for a game, just to give them a break, leave Chernak up, and then send him down. Because I think you want Chernak playing. So if he plays now with the, the health, he's going to be the third-pair defenseman. Most likely. So do you want him playing third pair minutes at the NHL or first pair minutes at Syracuse? Knowing that unless you're willing to cut and part with somebody, it's either him or Joseph goes down. Right. Well, they got options. I mean, that's the good news is they got lots of options on some young players and uh, I'm sure they'll make the right decision. And sometimes these things work themselves out too with injuries and whatnot, um, you know, as you go along. But uh, the main thing is, they're still rolling. They're still a good hockey team. They pick up a point in Winnipeg. They don't get the win, um, but they take care of business. And look, we'll, we'll be following the Lightning uh, all through uh, the winter months, I'm sure, and into spring. Uh, you would think maybe all the way to the Stanley Cup. We'll see how far they can take it this year. It just feels like this hockey team has some special things in front of them, uh, and they, they continue to, uh, to prove that each and, each and every night. So I'll be at One Buck Place on Monday. Uh, Dirk Cutter will have his uh, post-mortem, if you will. We'll find out uh, just the, you know, what the injuries are, the health of the team. And uh, we talked about last week what was left to play for. Now it's certainly that, that, that thing that carrot is gone. There are no playoffs. There will be no winning season. So it's not going to be a pleasant time at One Buck Place tomorrow. But we will have a chance to talk to the players and Dirk Cutter and um, you know, just see what their preparations are. You know, it's funny, and I'll be writing about this, this was the highlight of Dirk Cutter's era. Um, the last time the Buccaneers played in Dallas in 2016, they needed one more victory to make the postseason. They would go on and win nine games and have a winning record. And they played Dallas. They got behind early. They played in a very tough game. But Jameis Winston had a couple uh, turnovers, a sack fumble. Uh, DeMar Dotson went down. I think Gosler Cherilis or somebody had to come in, uh, you know, couldn't hold up. Uh, on the pass rush and they, they, they lost a wild game. And then of course we found out that Doug Martin um, had failed a drug test and he was inactive the next week at new Orleans. They lost that game. Then they beat Carolina for their ninth win. But the highlight of the dirt cutter era was right there at AT&T stadium. And that's where they're headed back. And it, it seems like a hundred years ago, but it was only two years ago uh, in 2016 that, that dirt cutter was on sort of on top of the bucks world. Um, and now, wow, how things have changed just in two seasons for the Bucks. So uh, that'll be interesting. So we'll have all that. Keep us uh, here on TampaBay.com. We love your interaction as always. Uh, we want to, you know, get your feedback to us on uh, on the internet on uh, Twitter. My Twitter handle is NFL Stroud. You can reach us at SportsDayTV. You can reach me by email Aristroud at TampaBay.com. Uh, we're still going to talk to Tom Jones. I had a party, Steve, on uh, Friday night, his going away party. Yeah, thanks for the invite. Well, I didn't, it wasn't my party, <laughs> and you should have been invited. I thought about it much too late, but like you should have been there because uh, Jay Retcher showed up. So if he could come and he wasn't invited, um, Jay did a nice job. He put together some sort of a montage, if you will, of audio from the old Rick and Tom show. Even the one, even when it was called the sports page when you first hired us. Yeah, so. I didn't. I didn't realize he interned on your show first because he start. He interned shortly after I departed. Yeah, he did. He, he was our first intern and and did a good job behind the board. And now, geez, he's practically running the place over there. Um, so it was good to see him and a lot of people from the Tampa Bay Times, obviously. And um, yeah, we had a couple adult beverages. Tom had, you know, a few uh, a few shots, if you will, toasted them out and. Now he's off to retirement or his job at the Pointer Institute. Yeah, job. He's taking he's taking he is a job. He's taking a couple of weeks off. But uh, I was I was 
kind of texting with him, you know, and everybody's, of course, you know, wishing him good luck and stuff on Twitter. Um, and I was like, man, how weird is it? Like, you don't, you don't even have to watch this game. Like, you're not, even, you don't have to do a column this week. You don't have to follow the Bucks if you don't want to. You can, you can, you can be a fan of any team if you wanted to. Like, you're not. He's got a couple of weeks off before he goes starts, you know, starts back with his job at Pointer. But I was like, it must be totally like different, you know, to wake up and say, I'm not a sports writer, you know, like. I'm going to be doing media and, and all media, not just sports media, but all media, uh, and not have to follow it. So good for him. Happy trails. Congratulations. But it was good. It was a good party. And, and I'm sure we'll be talking to him. We are going to keep him on the podcast. People have been asking me, is he still going to do the podcast? The answer is yes. I'd have him on five nights a week if he wanted to. I mean, that's how this thing was. I was going to say, we started like that. Yes. Yeah, it was supposed to go until he found out he had a job. <laughs> he was getting a job at Pointer. That was a year ago. Now it's finally come true. So. Um, we'll have him, uh, probably Matt Baker again, talk about more bowl games as we get closer to the bowls and, and of course, the national championship rounds and all of that. That's going to be coming up. And then uh, lightning all week as well. Mark Tompkin, we might have a chance to talk to him a little bit down the road. And Diana Neros, uh, too. We're going to get her on from Canada sometime this week as well. That'll be awesome with the way the lightning. Yeah, Diana now covers the lightning for us, and she's doing a great job in her first season there. And um, so, yeah. So Sports Day Tampa Bay got a lot of compliments from people that are listening to this podcast. It's growing all the time. And make sure we are just a few days from Christmas, folks, like eight days, okay? But don't panic. I mean, seriously, do yourselves a favor. And I'm not – look, I'm a big proponent of these of Andy Econo and Wholesale Diamonds. He's been with us from the beginning, and that's because he does the best job. He has the best prices, and you get 20% off. And he's giving you 20% off all jewelry prices, and they're already better than anything you're going to find in the mall – Go get your uh, wife or girlfriend a statement piece, diamond earrings, necklace, maybe a bracelet, or or if you're going to get engaged, for goodness sakes, give Andy a chance to match that perfect diamond to your lady. He'll customize it. He'll do anything uh, to make you happy, and you're going to love the price as well. So Continental Wholesale Diamonds, 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, and that's uh, right next to the Penthouse Club. So for Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great Monday, everybody. 